Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with great upcoming artists. And today we've got a great show for you as always. we got Will Carter, who's done fantastic stuff. You know, he's definitely going places all through his Texas country. But we'd love to get started with this. Are you here, Will? Yes, sir. How's the weather there? Um, it's warm. It's a little humid, a little overcast, but... I'll take that over cold. <laughs> yeah, we know the feeling. You know, we we're, we're based out of Savannah, Georgia. Planning on moving to Nashville later this year, if not next. But right now, Savannah, Georgia, and it's you know we have nice. I guess today is mild a little bit, but it's supposed to be in the seventies. Yeah, it's today. supposed I mean, to be mid seventies today or upper seventies, so not too bad. <laughs> I just got back from your somewhat neighboring state over there, Florida. I was there. I kind of did a tour of Florida last week. I flew into um, to Northwest Florida and the Panama City Beach and then drove to Gainesville mm-hmm. and drove to Boynton Beach and then ended up in Key West and spent the whole week uh, kind of checking out the Sunshine State there. And, and I'll tell you, the one thing I didn't see was sunshine until the last day. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and all that stuff, all the fun stuff, and what you like to do outside of music, hobbies. Let's just get that out of the way. Uh, I'm from a small town called Seely, Texas, which is about an hour west of Houston. Um, I lived there until I was 13 on a self-sustaining farm. Uh, milk goats every morning, gathered eggs. Grew up pretty old-fashioned for someone in my generation. And then I lost my father when I was 13, and we relocated a little bit closer in the town to Katy, Texas. Um, and uh, currently, I'm, after that, I went to College Station to attend Texas A&M. After I graduated, I went back to Houston. Um, kind of been bounced around between oh, wow. Katy and Texas and Houston for the last, I guess, eight years or so. Um, but growing up out in Sealy... Uh, now, are, are you on speaker... Just a question. Are you on speakerphone? I'm not. I'm on a headset. I've been told that was a better way to do it, but it's not that work. Because I know that because you're breaking up a little bit, and I'm trying to figure out why. It could be it. Let me try moving first. If this doesn't work, I'll I'll hop off the headset. I've been told that they tend to work better than the handheld, but if not, um, I will ditch this thing and just go straight to the phone. But tell me if this isn't sounding better for you now that I'm out of a in a different in a different area. Is this making a difference, or do you want me to try getting yeah. off of it? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's definitely a little louder because that was I could barely. It is, yeah, it can tell loud. a difference for sure. Okay, well we'll run with this. If you have any problems, just tell me. You know, ditch the head okay. and try it the old-fashioned okay. way. <laughs> but um, so having gr- grown up out in the country, I, so we had 13 acres at the end of a dirt road, and there was 12,000 acres of land that was government owned, and they would it was owned by the local power company and they would lease that land to local farmers to grow crops or run their cows on that kind of thing mm-hmm. to the tune of 12,000 12, acres so uh, I was homeschooled and I would finish up um, taking care of the, oh, wow. the animals in the garden all that stuff in the morning do my you know, my schoolwork and stuff and, and usually be done around 12 or 1 and then mm-hmm. from then until dark I was out there in the middle of that 12,000 acre uh, chunk of land with either on a horse or a four-wheeler or whatever, um, with dogs running around and fishing or running and that kind of thing. So outside of music, obviously, um, 
Um, I'm an avid horse rider, and um, oh, wow. I love hunting, and I love fishing, and now I also have a daughter, and she plays volleyball and softball, so that's <laughs> a lot of uh, my, I, I played baseball growing up, so I, I, I do all that with her as well, as far as going to her tournaments and her games, and, and practicing with her one-on-one, kind of outside of all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm guessing all the work you did years ago, um, growing up, helped that that work ethic has been a great applying to music. It's uh it's been great to apply across the board. I um <clears throat> my dad definitely instilled a uh, deep appreciation for having a good work ethic as a young child, and then when uh, he got sick, um, he, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer when I was 11, and um, he passed away when I was 13, and so I went to work. Mm, wow. uh, basically full-time. I mean, outside of school, I wasn't in school. I was, I was at work from the time I was 13 on. And uh, I went to work for a friend of his uh, electric company as an apprentice electrician. And I did that all through high school and <clears throat> through college until I graduated. Um, and I got a degree from A&M in construction science with a minor in business. And concurrently with that, from the time I was 13 mm-hmm. until today, I've Oh, wow. I've always done both. I've worked 40 or 50 hours a week in construction, and I've worked 30 to 40 hours a week in, or more <laughs> in music. So kind of had both. Oh, wow. going full blast the whole time. <laughs> so so you you definitely know about burning the candles at both ends. I've heard that phrase from everybody in both industries my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> my friends keep but telling me, like, well, when you get to be this, when you get to be this age, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. And then I pass that age. hope we can get you where you can burn out one end soon. I think I would get bored. <laughs> you know, you, if, if, if you were able to live off the music, then you could, you know, you there's so much more you could do. Not And, and again, not saying to do nothing, but, you know, you, where you could pour all that into the music then. Sure. Sure. That, that would help us. See, I've I uh, I started my own company doing the the other side of the world, the construction stuff, uh, about mm-hmm. three years ago, and it's taken a, a minute. But um, <laughs> for the last two years, it's, I've gotten it to the place where it's staffed, and it kind of I get a phone call if there's a problem, but I'm not having to be the person that's there um, in oh, person awesome. all the time. So oh, it really has it. been great because when I was in corporate before. Um, you know, we got two weeks vacation, and it's kind of tough to go to your radio tour, even just in the state of Texas. There's 167 radio stations, and so trying to get by wow. to see everyone um, and get to develop those relationships across this, even just this state, um, you, you definitely need a lot more than two weeks out of the year to do that. And so, <laughs> yes, you um, that made it real tough those first uh, few years. Um, but having started my own company. And with today's technology, I mean, we have a laptop and a cell phone, and I can handle all that stuff. Uh, you know, I can pretty much take care of what I need to do or put out fires or solve problems from afar. And then I've got kind of the, the, a staff that's here you know, doing, taking care of the day-to-day. And so that's been a huge help because when I need to go take off, in fact, I'm leaving tomorrow morning, um, and I'll be gone until Friday evening. We're going to go hit probably 15 radio stations over the next four days. Oh, wow. Um, just 
here in Texas, and then like I said last week, I was or week before last, I should say, I was in Florida for the whole week, and I mean, whenever I need to fly to Nashville or LA or whatever I gotta do, just I'm able to do so. And that, you're you're kind of going in and out again. All right, we're gonna try this approach now. Oh, oh, that's much better. better? Way yeah, better. much better. Perfect. So, um, so what age did you know you wanted to do music? <laughs> Three years old. <laughs> oh wow! Wow. So my dad did was your, did a. Your... Uh... I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Um, so my dad was six foot four, uh, 250 pounds and thought I was going to be out and I'm the oldest of four. So when I was born, he thought that I was going to grow up and be this big football player. And so <laughs> he decided to put me in kind of like Patrick Swayze's parents did, or kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, professional athletes <laughs> will do for their children mm-hmm. is to put them in. Uh, dance and gymnastics uh, and obviously sports at the earliest age possible to develop mm-hmm. balance and agility. And so at the age of three, uh, they put me in tap, jazz, ballet, and gymnastics. Um, oh, wow. And I did, <laughs> did that until I was six, and then I was able to start playing baseball. And anyways, um, for, for whatever reason, um, at the age of three, my first year, the uh, organization that I was taking these lessons with um, was that studio was kicking off the uh, annual, there's an annual festival in Sealy where I'm from called the Fantasy of Lights Festival. And so to kick off this festival, they needed someone, um, a member of their studio, to say the Pledge of Allegiance and sing the Grand Old Flag to kick off the, the, the Fantasy of Lights Festival. And I don't know. I don't remember why. I just do. I just remember that I got chosen for this. And I remember my mom sitting there with me in the living room, or actually at the kitchen table, with this book, and teaching me the the words and lyrics to this song, "The Grand Old Flag." Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember performing that for the for the uh, for the for the town. Of course, they videotaped it on a VHS tape, and we still have that. And uh, yeah. I just kind of never. I just kind of never quit. Um, by the time oh, I was. Wow. Nine or so, I was. I had one of those karaoke setups in my room, and as I could, I would buy these uh, karaoke like CDGs they would call them, and they would put the words on the screen. And uh, I remember the first one I bought was a 15 song John Michael Montgomery um, disc, and I learned yeah. all 15 of those. And then I was a big Chris Ledoux fan, so I bought a. The next one I bought was kind of a mix of some of the top country hits that were charting at that time. But one of them, the reason I bought it was for uh, the Cadillac Ranch song by Chris Ledoux. And mm-hmm. so I would sing in my room to these tracks every night for at least an hour, if not two. Oh, wow. Um, really from the time I was nine until I graduated high school. That's just uh, what I did. I picked yeah. up guitar at the beginning of high school and then started incorporating mm-hmm. that into the mix as well and started writing and all that. So who are, you know, what when you look back on your life so far, what you've done, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that? I'm sure the very <laughs> first time speaking, I mean, I'm, I mean, of singing, you did, you know, you felt like that's one moment. Outside of that first moment, what, 
what are some of the things highlights that we were like, man, I got to do that. Um, one of the cool things we got to do was I'm a, uh, so I, I live in Houston and I'm a big Houston Texans fan, obviously. And, and I'm also a country music fan and a Texas country fan mm-hmm. and therefore a Cody Johnson fan. And we got asked to open for him. I think this was four years ago. Um, oh, wow. the year, the year that he played later that year, he played the, uh, the Houston rodeo for the first time. Um, and he was, oh, he was playing the Advocare Texas Bowl. And so it was LSU versus Texas Tech. And his, he, his set time or whatever was <clears throat> in the Bud Light Plaza just outside the stadium as the, the teams, like right before the teams started coming in the stadium, they were putting on their show. And we played right before that kind of as people were kind of gathering around and getting ready for all this. Um, and Cody was doing, had been doing well um, for a long time. And it was starting to get pretty big. And then that was literally, that was the January, either December or January, before he played the, um, the Houston Rodeo on the main stage that following March, I suppose it was. And then later that year, um, the so the Houston, the, the city of Houston, just like New York does, they have the Macy's Parade. Um, Houston has their Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I believe it was sponsored by HEB that year. But so I got asked to play on the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo's float, which travels through downtown um, along the parade route with me playing my songs, which was cool. However, it stops at the 50-yard line, and the part that's on the 50-yard line is actually nationally televised. And uh, so we stopped there, and then I got to perform God Bless Texas um, basically on, on, on national TV, um, but on the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo Float. Um, hmm. That was pretty cool. Um, I got to Fair. play J.J. Watt's uh, tailgate at the practice bubble in, in Houston. He, his brother uh, was still in college at the time, and uh, his he was playing uh, – I'm blanking out right now. Um, I just thought of it, and I forgot. I think it's Wisconsin. But <laughs> might be, I might, I might be – mixing that up but anyway they were here in town playing mm-hmm. a uh, scrimmage game before the season started and he rented out the bubble uh, which holds about 3,500 people it's their practice bubble here and then uh, mm-hmm. they, they had like a fundraiser thing um, for his J.J. Watt Foundation and we were hired to play for that so that was a super cool experience as well um, oh, wow. and always opening for your heroes is always is always cool I mean I got to open for Randy Rogers um, at the Lumberyard in Roscoe, that was that was cool. We got an open for Kevin Fowler. I've got an open for Mark Chestnut and Leanne Womack. Um, <clears throat> seeing your anytime you see your name on the same bill as one of your, you know, idols growing up, that's that's always <laughs> humbling. That's cool. Now let's flip the script a little bit, because um, you know, every, everybody always talks about the highlights on every show. One thing that we want to do on our show that we do different than everybody else is. We want artists to share some of the struggles, too, because I think a lot of times people forget that you're a human being, <laughs> and too, mm-hmm. and they forget that, and then they think, you know, they see these people that all of a sudden you didn't see them, and they're an overnight success. But me and you both know there's a minimum 10 years behind them. There's no such thing <laughs> as overnight success in music. <laughs> and um, Absolutely. So tell us some of the issues and struggles that you've been through through the years to try to make this crazy dream work? I will tell you this. 
Yeah, there's there's a ton of them. It's kind of like where to start, right? Um, and, yeah. And and if it, and if it's only ten years to get there, then by all means that would be great. But I don't, you never know, right? It, it, it's, exactly. Uh, it's definitely at least ten years. I've been at it for more than ten years. I'll tell you that. And I work pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for one thing, getting you know getting your show and your band and all your stuff just together is something that um, is probably way more work and requires more time and practice and, mm-hmm. and talent and and you know grind than people realize. Um, it's one thing to walk out on stage and play some songs. Um, and even, even that you've got to, you had to have spent the time to, to put the band together and find these guys and get everybody to learn their stuff and yada, yada. I mean, keep that band together. That's another thing that's hard. If you're not, <laughs> if you're not playing, you know, most, when I was first starting out, um, if you, the guys that were playing for me, that's all they did for a living was play music. So they have to play a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're an original artist, uh, it's it's for, for starters that's tough to get people to want to come see you as an original artist. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you kind of got to start in your hometown and then branch out from there. And for what I realized was that once you got to a certain point where people were coming to see you, now they have mm-hmm. these things called radius clauses. And with the radius clause, you know, if, for example, we played Dosey Do a couple weeks ago, and ten weeks before that. And 10 weeks after that, we can't play anywhere within 100 miles of that place. And huh. going back to what I was saying a minute ago, and, and then, you know, after that, we play Firehouse Saloon in, in Houston, and that's 30 days before, 30 days after, 30-mile radius. And then there was, you know, the RCC down the street, and that was 60 miles 60 days before and 60 days after. So if you think about it, you wow. have to play like five times a year in Houston. And for someone that is only playing music for a living – you can't make enough money at five shows to support yourself for the year. So you've got to, <laughs> you either have to stay busier somehow or get out of town. And so I remember at the beginning, one of the hardest things was finding and keeping a band together, keeping them busy enough and finding that balance uh, for me, because it takes, it also takes mm-hmm. a lot of money. I mean, you've got yeah. to pay for studio time. You've got to pay for radio promotion. You've got to pay for, you know, the, just the general overhead of, of, of a band, I mean batteries and guitar strings mm-hmm. and gas and things like that. But um, <clears throat> some of those big ticket items, like you know your publicists and your you know setting mm-hmm. up your radio tour, going on radio tours, hotels. I mean, there's, there's a lot of expenses um, in it, and so you either have to come from money, which I did not. I came from the opposite <laughs> of money, no money, and or have a um, you know a rich uncle or something's going to pave your way, or you have to find some other means of raising this money to to continue yeah. on and so in my case that's what i did i worked um another job um mm-hmm. and <laughs> that was my way of, of raising these funds but on mm-hmm. top of that the other guys um if they if they weren't doing that you know, they had to stay busy so at first when i when i got out of college and moved back to houston keep in mind i'm working 50 hours a week but i was playing four to five shows a week you know, all the mm-hmm. week, starting Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes two on a Saturday or two on a Sunday, really to get to keep my guys busy and keep mm-hmm. them paid and fed. And so that was yeah. a lot of work uh, on the front end. Um, and then even once you get to the next level, um, I mean, I don't have to do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Now we're playing, like I said, four or five times a year in Houston, so we spend most of our weekends on the road, and it's hard to be on the road. I mean, if you think it's 
this fun rock star life and um <laughs> maybe for somebody <laughs> but for me i like uh, i mean don't get me wrong i love to travel and i'm energetic but it's you can just going on radio tour where you're driving around in a car for you know a few days and it's not like you're doing any heavy lifting you're just driving riding talking on you know interviewing on the air kind of like what we're doing here it's not exactly strenuous but just being away mm-hmm. from home for extended periods yeah. of time is uh, it takes a toll on you yeah something about sleeping yeah. in your own bed and getting some real rest the things that people take for granted right you exactly you don't notice it until you're on the other side i always thought that that's you know what i wanted to do was you know be a you know like every other kid you want to be a famous touring musician that sounds like a blast mm-hmm. now i feel um extremely blessed that uh we have this genre texas country that allows us to do what we love uh all mm-hmm. within either one state or the vicinity of a few states this kind of checks our oklahoma that they call this little area um you know i've got friends that have you know families and things like that and they get to mm-hmm. you know be here during the week and then take off on a thursday or whatever and come back mm-hmm. on a sunday and like that's wow kind of a balance right so you kind of get to, yeah you, you you kind of hit a good point i remember back in 2014 we interviewed allison Steele from two still girls and she said um i asked her what advice would you give an artist coming up and her exact words she well i guess not exact words but basically she was saying that if you could if your heart will allow you to do anything else then go do that and keep and keep music as a hobby. And, 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 she, and she said, coming from someone who's full-time, this, that might sound funny. She goes, but the sacrifices you, you have to make to do this full-time, the, 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 having to stand up in front of an audience when you might feel bad, you might, be, you might just have an argument with somebody, you might not, but you've got to stand up and smile and sing that dang song that you hate anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and smile about it. So it, it, when it becomes a career, you can't, you, you can't look at it like, I, you know, I'm just doing it. No, you, you have to just do it. And she said that the sacrifices that come along with this, the, tear and wear, the wear and tear on your body, that you have to do this. You have to eat certain ways. You have to do this a certain way. You have to do that a certain way. She goes, when you get to that point, it, it changes everything. And she, and she went on, mm-hmm. but if your heart won't allow you to do anything outside of this, then you then you have to go all in because if you don't you're not going to make it anyway. It's absolutely true. <clears throat> it's uh it's hard for a reason. <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah the sacrifices that y'all make because even though that we'll never know the full sacrifices that many artists make, we're still I mean with what we're doing, you know, with our Chris and Sandy show, the New Country Media, we're launching on no budget. We've done all this and. You know, so we understand where y'all coming from because we do gig work, we do restaurant delivery stuff, we do catering deliveries, mm-hmm. we do a little bit of everything, so that 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 keeps us flexible. So that so you know, like normally we do like two o'clock interviews, but you needed twelve thirty, so we're fine with that. So, but if we weren't flexible, then we couldn't have you on the show. So we have to do everything we can to create the flexibility so that whatever time. I mean, granted, if a Artist says, I can only do it 12 midnight. Well, I guess I'm doing an interview at 12 midnight. That's <laughs> 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 just what we have to do. We're making, we have built our life around new country media because we have a vision. So we get 
exactly where you're coming from. We, you know, we again, we 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 may not work 50 hours a week and then another 30 or 40. We probably don't do that, but we but we do get where you're coming from. So you're saying you're smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm funny. I think it's great that y'all have. I mean, I love your vision. I think it's great that y'all understand that yet still, you know, <clears throat> press forward with it. And I'm, I mean, it's, it's really cool what you guys are doing. So, what drives Will? So, <clears throat> in addition to the obvious answer, which um, music is a passion of mine that's been with me forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I, I don't remember why I got chosen for the person that sang this song at three years old and why out of you know 30 kids in his class, I was the one that picked. But I can only assume that it had to do with the fact that I was always singing and stuff when I was a kid. That was just kind of my thing. I just mm-hmm. sort of came out of the womb and took to music. Um, but um, so that's always been a part of me. And, and again, I told you, I mean, every single night, you know, for a year or, two, or, or for an hour or two, you know, from the time I was nine to, you know, 11 years later when I graduated or 10 years later or whatever, um, that's what I did. So that's obviously dedication and that no one was making me do that. That's what I did because that's what I wanted to do. So that's my yeah. side of it. You know, the, the internal side, the other piece of this is, uh, we didn't have a lot of money, which I mentioned when I was growing up and I was the oldest of four and my dad didn't have a nine to five job. Um, he did what he did to make money and, made some sacrifices so that he could spend more time with his family. He didn't have that growing up. His dad mm-hmm. uh, was corporate, was never around and was always at work. And then he passed away when my dad was 11 and he never knew him and he didn't want that versus kids. And so he homeschooled us all and was, was there with us all the time. My mom was too. And so we were a very, very tight knit family. Um, and when he realized that I had this, talent or passion or whatever you want to call it um i wasn't so his idea was i was going to be a football player right my mom's five foot three weighs like 90 pounds and seems like i got more of her genetics than his so i didn't grow into the football player physique let's say um but but in but by putting me in the in the gymnastics and the dance and all that kind of stuff i did obviously find my my music thing and so he that was something that he couldn't do. You know, he was six four, two hundred fifty pounds. He was kind of like Superman. There weren't a whole lot of things that he couldn't do, and but that yeah. was one of them. And so he really respected that, and mm-hmm. he really, um, I mean, he would drive me all over the state, wherever we could get in or I could get in to to perform or sing or whatever. If it was you know fairs or festivals or talent contests or whatever it was, um, he was he just spent all of his time um, kind of pushing that and, you know, encouraging me to continue um, pursuing this. And so when he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, um, I was 11 years old. And um, as time went on, uh, he got weaker and weaker. And once he got to the point that he couldn't work anymore, I recorded a like a CD of a few cover songs that I couldn't mm-hmm. sell because I didn't have the rights to them, but we had a benefit for him and I had placed him out around town and at places that he was receiving treatment. And of course at the mm-hmm. benefit just said, and asked for donations in exchange for the CD well, and sold a bunch of these CDs, whatever to raise money. Well, <clears throat> his last probably three months of his life, uh, he had mm-hmm. a little boom box 
next to his bed with this CD of mine playing. And my, my mom would come and wake me up in the middle of the night and tell me, hey, your dad's, you know, the CD that you gave him is, you know, literally burnt up and he needs another one. So I would give her another one. And, you know, like I said, this went on for the last three months of his life. And so listening to that CD on repeat 24-7, it never stopped. Right. I mean, knowing all the support that he had for me, you know, prior to getting sick and, and all that and how much he pushed me and how much he, you know, encouraged me and all that, plus getting to watch that um, at the very mm-hmm. end um, was very motivating, uh, to say the least. Yeah. So I've always felt like um, in addition So there's a purpose, to, kind of there's a purpose behind this now, where it used to be just music, but now it's a purpose. It's it, yeah, it's both. I mean, I do. This is a passion of mine. I feel like I owe it to myself to you know to pursue this. But I guess at times when I'm when I'm like I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall and I'm you know grinding real hard and it's just uh, seems like it would be easier not to do this because I don't have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's, it's yeah. just I still keep doing it because I love it and because I kind of feel like mm-hmm. I owe it to him. You know what I mean? It gives me a yeah. oh, just an extra level of, of mm-hmm. commitment. Amen to that. So we're about to take a small break, and after we come back from the break, we will play your song, and then we'll talk about that song. How's that? Sounds good. Is that the You Feel Like Home song? Yep. Current single. Okay, here we go. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. I was looking for love in all the places you're not Chasing after a feeling till I almost forgot You were right there with me, almost missed the exit where I get off You feel like home
Oh, yeah, it's a great song. So what inspired that song? Uh, So um, I've been through um, several relationships and Mm -hmm. was trying to find that one that they always talk about and Mm -hmm. gotten close to proposing slash getting married the whole thing two or three times, but then always something would you know, just didn't feel like it was right or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So came close, mm-hmm. but never actually did it. And I never could figure out what it was. And I mentioned to you earlier that my family is, I'm the oldest of four, <clears throat> and my family was very tight-knit when I was growing up. But then when we mm-hmm. lost my dad, it forced us all to even become a tighter units. <clears throat> and so mm-hmm. my mom had never been anything other than a mom. And yeah. she had four kids, two, one autistic. My youngest brother is – I'm, I'm the oldest. I have a sister that's 18 months younger than me. That Her and I are very close. And then seven years later, they had another daughter, so my sister Summer. And then a year and a half later, they had my brother. And so there's a little bit of a gap. We had two of us and then seven-year span and then two two more. And the youngest being autistic is you know like a, a basically like a two- or three-year-old that – it never mm-hmm. grows, gets bigger, but, but, but it's still a three-year-old. <laughs> and um, so, so to lose dad and you know, to not have, you know, not, not, like I said, we didn't have a lot of money um, mm-hmm. to live down the country and that kind of thing. So it was, it forced us all to, be, to become very, even closer. Like we were always closer, but now we were yeah. closer. And to this day, we all still live in the same town. I mean, um, that's awesome. So it I is. found 
I had dated several girls that I that you know checked all the boxes and you know, but what they did, what they were missing, which I seem to have found out, was that similar family upbringing. And yeah. I met a girl um, a little about a year ago, a little less than a year mm-hmm. ago, and she was came out actually was with kind of some of my friends that had come to one of our shows and they had brought her with them. And she was she was in med school, so she hadn't really gone out and done much in a while. I was like, you know, fine, I'll, I guess I'll go out. Uh-huh. And so she did. And so we ended up talking, and it was there was just something about her that was that was different. And it wasn't until you know, we hung out a couple of times and kind of got to know each mm-hmm. other that her family's the same way. They're from Florida, mm-hmm. but her and her brother are super close. Her her dad and mom, all, all four of them, they have that exact same kind of family dynamic uh, oh, upbringing. Wow. And so she fit right in with my sisters and my mom, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I fit right in with her family and vice versa. And that that had never happened before because, you know, I would meet someone and they would be, you know, like a, a fine person. It was just there was just they wouldn't mesh with the group, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, because they weren't used yeah. to that dynamic, what it seems like. And so that was really the inspiration behind that song was that it just kind of feels natural <laughs> and yeah, or feels like. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. So you look like you've worked with a lot of people. Tell us about that in Nashville. Uh, okay. I So when I was um, – when I first graduated from college, I had a friend of mine who is a few years older than me, uh, but I've been friends with for 10 years or more. And she was – her parents were big in the music scene, and she was wanting to get into it. Um, mm-hmm. And she was, I think, 28 at the time. And so her voice teacher, who is now my voice teacher, uh, Tom McKinney, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> recommended that she, since she hadn't had a whole lot of experience, that she pair up with someone uh, and do a duo. And Country mm-hmm. was looking for a duo at the time, so she asked me to be this duo partner. And so from that, oh, wow. I met, obviously, Tom McKinney, the voice teacher. Um, <clears throat> so Seth... Um, invented the theory behind speech level singing. So that's anything other than opera, basically. That's rock and country mm-hmm. and pop and all that. Yeah. And he had two students, and that was Tom McKinney and Brett Manning. Brett Manning lives in Nashville. Tom moved to Texas. And Tom's who we taught with. So some other examples of students that are taught under Tom are Beyonce, Maddie and Tay. In fact, Tom took Madison and Taylor and told them they needed to be a duo and put them together and and basically made them a thing. And then um, with Demi Lovato, Solange, uh, the, the Pentatonics, Scott, the guy from the Pentatonics, um, list goes on and on. I mean, she's got an amazing um, resume of very successful artists that have taken lessons and gotten their start with Tom McKinney. So um, he knows everybody. <laughs> so uh, he, he paired me up with Jake McKim, who was uh, – a and R for Beyonce and A and R for Maddie and Tay. Jake McKims who took Maddie and Tay to Big Machine and got them signed and all that. And so um, I told Tom that I wanted to be a better songwriter. I'd written a bunch of songs, um, but I wanted to figure out how to be a better songwriter. And they, the answer was co-write. And co-write mm-hmm. established songwriters that have you yeah. know, multiple number one hits on the you know Billboard charts and stuff and co-write with them and learn what they do. And so mm-hmm. um, Jake would set up these 
camps, if you call it, want to call it that, um, where he would bring in, you know, six to eight of these songwriters like Bonnie Baker or Topher Brown or Clay Mills or Shane Stevens or whatever. Uh, and I would go to those. I'd fly to Nashville. Mm-hmm. We'd usually stay at Ashley Gorley's ranch, which is awesome. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we'd have like a four-hour session from 8 to 12, and then a four-hour session from 1 to 5, um, each with – and then the next day do the same thing. And so you'd have four sessions mm-hmm. over the weekend, each one with a different songwriter. Um, oh, wow. And so you would walk away with – you know, if you finished a song in four hours, you'd walk away with four songs after the weekend. Now, not everybody did. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. uh, so I did probably – I don't know, two or three of those camps and met 10 or 12 of these songwriters. Um, and then from there, kind of picked the ones that I, I jived with. And, and mm-hmm. to this day, I still, I still I pretty much write most of everything uh, with Shane Stevens. Now my mm-hmm. producer is Nash Overstreet. His dad was Paul Overstreet and he's a legend in the songwriting and producing world. Um, oh, wow. <clears throat> but Nash, is uh, his son, who's also the guitarist and harmony vocalist for the kind of pop rock band Hot Chalet that just started touring again after like a ten year hiatus. But um, so he'll he'll co-write with us as well. Shane's more of the uh, the sprinkles of the uh, you know icing on the, the the lyrics. He's a lyric more of the lyricist. Mm-hmm. Nash is, but it's nice having our producer there while we're writing those because he can kind of help. You know, we'll t- you know, set a like a drum track or whatever, and play a little lick on the guitar so we can get kind of a vibe going. Um, yeah, and just kind of loop, loop that over and over. <laughs> so, really, the last oh, wow. few projects have just been either me or me and Shane or me, Shane and Nash. But prior to that, I had written with a whole bunch of um, you know songwriters that have had number ones with Lady mm-hmm. Antebellum and Hunter Hayes and. Oh, yeah, wow. So because, you know, as we wind down the last 15 minutes of this show, we always like to bring our little boy up. He always asks, like to ask one question. So if you'll go to mommy. <laughs> he wants to have his own podcast one day. So we're training him up here. Yes, he does. Right. <laughs> He's very excited. Because we like to include family. That's one thing that we're trying to do is include family into this. I grew up in a family-owned business myself, so Hi. I appreciate that. <laughs> what was your you? favorite food? My favorite food? Bacon and eggs. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> I literally eat bacon and eggs every single morning. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> What's yours, little Chris? Uh, pizza. You know, that was going to be my second choice. I kind of went back and forth. <laughs> I like the way you think. All right, bye. We'll see you later. You know, it's funny. You said uh, the bacon and eggs. I remember growing up, my mom, my dad got um, tr- um, transferred to Germany for three years. We didn't go. He was in the military. And I remember um, – in those three years, we had so little money that we lived on bacon and eggs like five mornings and five dinners, you know, <laughs> every week for about a year. And, and I think once a month when, when my dad got paid, we went to McDonald's. That was our really great – that was our big moment. We're going to McDonald's today. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> so if you could co now just to kind of a two part question. If you could co write with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and what song would y'all write about? Ooh. That's a good one. Um, I think I would want to write with Towns Van Zant and kind of remake the song that I wrote way back. Or oh, wow. at least something similar. <laughs> I do I do that um uh so when I co write it's it, the way I the way I write it, it's it's several different options here, right? Like so like either one, like mm-hmm. Red Sunrise, for example, I I just wrote that, right? That was it. I wrote it, I composed it, I recorded it, done. Um then I have um I don't know, that kiss that was just walking mm-hmm. in the room, sitting down with Shane and going, What do you want to write about? I don't know. Let's just how about this? Okay, cool. <laughs> um the other way is I have I have like a notes file on my phone that syncs to my iPad. Uh-huh. It's got pages and pages and pages of like hooks or ideas or whatever. And so, like I wrote, uh, started with a whiskey with with Clay Mills. And so we're sitting at his apartment one oh, night, and he was flipping through it, and all the little liners and stuff are in there. And he's like, started with a whiskey. What does this mean? And I kind of told him the story. And he's like, well, cool, let's write that. <laughs> so then we that's another way. And, mm-hmm. and another thing that I've done is to write a song. Way back, for example, um, <clears throat> and then pair up with I paired up with my producer Jude Dillon at the time, and um, mm-hmm. we looked at it and just like we take things out, add things to make it shorter, make it fit the three minutes and thirty seconds that radio wants kind of thing, and just kind of like basically mm-hmm. edit something I've already com- like one hundred percent completed prior. Um, well, wow. but I would be happy with any of those uh, approaches with <laughs> Townsend, and I would just say that we would write. I want to touch on the subject of, you know, kind of like where I grew up um, in that mm-hmm. kind of old fashioned, you know, not not a lot of people in my generation were milking goats when they were kids. So. <laughs> so what's been your favorite venue to play at? Docido in the Woodlands, Texas. Oh, wow. That was an easy answer for you. What's that? So that was an easy answer for you. That is an amazing room. Um, I've played Billy Bob's Texas in Fort Worth. That's an awesome venue. Mm-hmm. I've played, you know, big stages. I've played small stages. But mm-hmm. Desi Doe is like a – I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a, for the listeners that aren't. It's a roughly 350 or so seat venue. It's an oh, old wow. tobacco barn from Kentucky that they moved down to the Houston – or the Woodlands, Texas, just huh. from Houston. And it's all of that wood – in there I guess has that tobacco resin or whatever has mm-hmm. made this room 100% acoustically perfect and oh, wow. they have long tables you have to you know purchase tickets either in advance or at the door but you buy a seat and you sit there and you have dinner and drinks or whatever but they come in and they give a speech kind of briefly mm-hmm. about the history before the show starts and then they um, <clears throat> ask everyone to you know be quiet and watch the show and not to flash photography yeah. and things like that. So sounds amazing. It's it's very intimate. It's it's a very very cool room. So if when you look back at your life right now, if there was one song, it could be one of yours, it could be somebody else's, doesn't matter. If there was one song that described your life, what would it? What song is that? Well, until I meet up with Towns Van Zandt, it's going to be way back. Wow. 
And so who, who, growing up, who were your musical influences, and now, who are your musical influences, and have they changed? Um, I'd say it's it's evolved. I I my dad and I had every Chris Ledoux album on cassette tape, <laughs> and that's what we listened to. <clears throat> and so Chris Ledoux um, was sort of, I guess, my first, if you want to put it that way, in major yeah. influence. And of course, growing up in the you know nineties or whatever, I was influenced by Garth Brooks and George Strait, like everybody. Um, but also, John Michael Montgomery was a big one, um, mm-hmm. and Mark Chestnut and Tracy Lawrence. I mean, I, I love that nineties era of music. But it's it's kind of a tough question for me because I like um, you know Chris Ledoux. I guess I, I consider Chris Ledoux and Garth Brooks to be very similar. They I feel like Garth. Yeah took some of uh, his influence from Chris Ledoux and kind of developed that show that we all know that is Garth Brooks. And um, I, I've always gravitated towards that as well. In fact, I took, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I hired Tom Jackson Productions, um, who is a live, he's arguably the most famous live show producer in the world, and brought them to Houston and had them spend 32 hours one-on-one with me in the band and completely design our set and our show. And um, because I, I strongly feel like I, I love writing, I love recording, I love radio tour, um, mm-hmm. interviews. Every piece of this I, it feeds my passion, but oh, wow. the performance part of it is my favorite by, by far. Yeah. And so I, I love to go see concerts and – Likewise, when I'm putting on a concert, I want people to, you know, get their money's worth, right? So, yeah. you know, we invested a lot of money to to hire the best live show producer we could find and bring them here and design a killer show like you would see. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the week before, they were with uh, Rascal Flats, and the week before that, they were with <laughs> the Van Perry, and they designed Taylor oh, Swift's wow. show. And so, yeah, so that's uh, that's important to me. So if you could, if you had a magic wand right now, and what you're about to say would come true, where do you want to be in five years? Five years. Um, I want a bus, and I want to be playing three times a week all over the greater Texas area. I'm going to call it that. Texas <laughs> and <laughs> the surrounding states. Um, and I want to – and. Playing the sold-out venues. And one of the reasons why I like to ask this question, in fact, today makes <clears throat> five years ago that we interviewed Kelsey Ballerini. Oh, nice. And and that was a question we asked her. And now we mm-hmm. look back, what, she was talking about she wants to be able to tour her own headline show and be and playing arenas. She's so close to all that that she said mm-hmm. five years ago. Wow, yeah. that's cool. Awesome. So, if you were, if if an artist was just starting out, what advice would you give them through this crazy little music journey? If you can live with yourself doing anything else, do that. <laughs> uh, that that you love that advice that Allison gave us. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm, I'm I'm stealing that, that, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as we want as we wind this thing down so I don't so I didn't miss anything. If you were interviewing yourself, 
what question would you ask you that I didn't ask? Where can I find your info? And I would tell you to that go was, to willcarterband.com. Oh, you always do that at the very end. Yes. <laughs> so tell everybody where they can find you. It is the best place would be the website willcarterband.com. And I was fortunate enough to have all of my social media because uh, there's so many of them these days and they keep adding to the list mm-hmm. but I, I'm, so far <laughs> I've gotten all of them mm-hmm. to match and so if you can remember Will Carter Band, awesome. you can find me on any social media outlet Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat YouTube, Pinterest yes we have a Pinterest page I don't know why but whatever <laughs> we got them so it's all Will Carter Band oh wow you know it was great having a conversation with you today we look forward to seeing where your career goes in the future because we know you'll be one of the big ones in the next five years. We have no doubt in that. Well, I appreciate that. So we'll have to, we'll have to schedule another date five years from now and, and laugh about uh, what's happened <laughs> and play some catch-up. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm sure we'll be scheduling your date way before that, but we'll, we'll definitely so. be in touch. <laughs> I hope so. But that, yeah, that, that would be great. And I, I expect to hear a, I told you so from you five years from now. <laughs> right. It was really yes, great yes. meeting you and speaking with you. And, you know, and all this will be up on iHeartMedia, Spotify, all that in the next hour. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Great. All right. We, will we share, appreciate share, your time. Share, share. Sounds good. Let's do it. And we'll talk cool. to you Thank soon. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Hope you really enjoyed today. I love doing these. I really do. <laughs> I'm in a zone with these artists. Yes, he I is. I love their stories. And he loves it. <laughs> I love it, too. It's always I fun. I love these stories and love bringing out the stories. And it's always interesting. And I always learn something. And today I learned something that I didn't know. But anyway, we'll see you again tomorrow. Yes. Yeah.